It's Friday, October 15th, 2021, and this is Pennsylvania Legacies, the podcast from the Pennsylvania Environmental Council. My name's Josh Rollerson. Local watershed associations are the lifeblood of water conservation efforts in Pennsylvania. They're the people, mostly volunteers, who identify the needs, find the funding, and take on many of the important watershed projects in their own communities. Well, the model works, but there's a problem. Participants are aging out, and they're not being replaced fast enough. The folks at Penn State Extension, home of Pennsylvania's popular Master Gardeners program, had an idea. We really need more people getting involved and engaged doing these things. So we thought, you know, why don't we try to do something like the Master Gardener program? Almost a decade later, Master Watershed Stewards are in 30 counties, organizing cleanups, planting riparian buffers, and growing local volunteer networks. And with Pennsylvania watersheds under increasing pressure from a changing climate, their work is more important than ever. On this episode, we'll learn how Penn State Extension recruits, trains, and puts master watershed stewards to work all over the Commonwealth. That's coming up right after news from Lily Jones. Last week, Attorney General Josh Shapiro announced that the developer of the Mariner East 2 pipeline energy transfer will be charged with 48 counts of environmental crimes under the Clean Streams Law. 45 of the charges are for illegally releasing industrial waste in 11 counties, causing sinkholes, drinking water contamination, habitat pollution, and other issues. There is also one felony charge for failing to report drilling fluid releases to DEP. Attorney General Shapiro said that energy transfer should be held accountable. As these charges make clear, There is a real wide gap between what our Constitution guarantees, clean air and pure water, and the reality for families and communities in the path of this pipeline. GEP has already fined energy transfer more than $20 million for violations over the course of the pipeline construction. Attorney General Shapiro called for stronger laws to hold companies accountable for environmental harm. A new report by professors from Penn State found that most people surveyed agreed that their local parks and recreation services were essential during the COVID-19 pandemic. The report, which was commissioned by the Pennsylvania Recreation and Park Society, surveyed 600 people across the state on the impact of the pandemic on local parks, as well as diversity, equity, and inclusion in these spaces. Although most respondents felt welcome at their local parks, respondents of color reported feeling less welcome and less comfortable at local parks in comparison to white respondents. Co-author Sammy Powers says that collecting this information is an important step towards making parks more welcoming. I think we saw a lot more of a national awareness of the need to address some of these issues of systemic inequalities. And I think we saw that translate kind of into the park and recreation world with a lot of folks asking these questions. How do folks feel in our park spaces? Most respondents were very supportive of directing funding towards promoting inclusive programs, increasing diversity among park and recreation staff, and ensuring everyone feels welcome at local parks. 32 countries joined the United States in a pledge to reduce methane emissions on Monday. The participating nations agreed to cut 30% of methane emissions by 2030. Methane is a much more potent greenhouse gas in the short term than carbon dioxide, and experts have said reducing emissions will be essential for slowing down climate change. President Biden and other world leaders are expected to attend a United Nations climate summit in Glasgow next month to discuss climate strategies. The mission of Penn State Extension is to bring the scientific and practical expertise of PSU researchers and faculty to regular people in every corner of the Commonwealth. But even with offices in every county, Extension staff can't be everywhere at once. 
That's where master volunteers come in. Extension-trained master gardeners provide horticultural education and support. Master well owners work with rural homeowners to properly manage their water wells. And master watershed stewards, well, we'll let Erin Frederick explain. She is the statewide master watershed steward coordinator for Penn State University Extension, and she is our guest today. Erin, welcome to Pennsylvania Legacies. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Tell me about the Master Watershed Steward Program, the, the model behind it, because it might be familiar to some who, who may know about the Master Gardeners Program or, or similar ones. What need was the Master Watershed Steward Program conceived to address? What was the challenge and why is this a good way to meet it? So when I first started at Penn State Extension, I was working with the Master Gardener Program. And these master volunteer programs that are typically associated with extension systems across the country. We provide 40 hours of training. And then in return for that training in these topics, then uh, the volunteers have to provide 50 hours of volunteer service their first year and 20 each year after that. So they're giving back their time and energy and enthusiasm. Uh, so I was super impressed with that program. Uh, we had a waiting list of volunteers and uh, I had previously worked with local watershed associations and we found that no matter what we tried to do, we just could not get new members. We tried all sorts of events to recruit people and it ended up being just the same three people doing everything. You know, the people that were on the watershed association were also on their EACs. And we thought, wow, we really need more people getting involved and engaged doing these things. So we thought, you know, why don't we try to do something like the Master Gardener Program and see if that helps? And we did look around at other states. There were Master Watershed Steward Programs. So we decided to pilot it locally. Uh, well, locally in the Lehigh Valley first, in Lehigh and Northampton counties. And we had a lot of success. It seemed like there were a lot of people that had an interest in the environment, but they didn't have that knowledge and the confidence to really plug in. So we provide the bare bones basic training that they need to start communicating in the conservation community. And then we provide structured volunteer opportunities that they can plug into. So the stewards are, are a local resource, but they're also kind of your recruiters out there and bringing more people into this kind of work to begin with. Um, who, who are we talking about? Like, what is your recruiting pool? Who participates in this? Is it typically people who are in some way connected through work with environmental or conservation uh, activities? Is it people with a science background or is it just whoever's interested? It is a mix and that's really what we want. We are hoping to bring in new faces to conservation. So we've had uh, engineers, grocery store clerks, uh, retired teachers, all sorts of backgrounds. We even had a, a, a rare coin collector. So anyone that has the slightest interest in the environment uh, can participate in our training and get involved. Is there any additional value add, I guess, for people who are already in this field? Like you, you get a certification, that's something that would come in handy, I imagine, for some folks? As a volunteer. Uh, so it's not any sort of professional certification. It's strictly a volunteer program. So it's something you can list on your resume as a volunteer. Uh, we certainly do have folks that are professionals in the environmental field that have participated and they bring their knowledge to the program, uh, which is just fantastic. So especially when we go through training, there might be something that they're uh, they specialize in and they're able to share that with the group. They're able to bring volunteer opportunities to us. Uh, so we certainly welcome welcome those folks as well. The application process uh, is it competitive? What are you looking for in candidates? And you know, how do you get the word out in the first place to you know to get people applying? 
ultimately we want to know that whoever goes through our training really wants to give back to the community. Uh, if they just want the knowledge, they just want the 40 hours of training, and then that's it. We try to steer them to some of our workshops or our partners' workshops. So there's lots of ways to get that information, but ultimately this is a volunteer program. So uh, we have an online application that folks can fill out and we do have an interview process. It's only you know, 10, 15 minutes where our coordinators will connect with you, find out what your specific volunteer interests are and just make sure that uh, your volunteer interests align with what we're actually doing in the program. Uh, we try to take around 20 people uh, per training session. Um, if it goes way above that, you know, 30, 40 people, it, we just find that the group dynamic is off because we also want this to be a, a social opportunity. We want people to make friends. So we try to keep the group numbers around, you know, 15 to 20 people, maybe 25 at the, at the max um, in each county. So the, the training happens at the county level as well, or what? Is that all centralized? Yeah, so before COVID, each county planned their own training. It was in person. We would rotate the sessions around to all the different environmental centers, which was really exciting for folks because sometimes they lived in an area and they didn't know about these places. And then we would bring in our local professionals, our partners to talk about their organization, what they did, any future volunteer opportunities. Uh, since the pandemic, we've switched to uh, online training and we did make it a little bit more centralized. So we had a statewide lecture and then folks would break out into county meeting rooms and then they would be able to connect with a, a local professional that way or do some sort of activity. We might likely be doing the same thing again this coming year. So tell me a little bit more about the actual training program. What is it like? What can participants expect? Um, I guess who's teaching the classes? We try to present a very broad brush of all sorts of environmental topics. Uh, you know, watersheds 101, properties of water, that's what we start off with. Then we go into the various natural landscapes, human impacts, soil, geology, climate change, native and invasive plants. Uh, we also talk about environmental education strategies and communication. Um, we bring in uh, either presenters from Penn State Extension, our educators, uh, or local partners that have taught these sessions for us. Um, and they're able to add in their own information. Uh, we have a, a, a manual which has the bare bone uh, learning objectives for the, the curriculum. So that's, we make sure every single watershed steward across the state learns these things. But then when we bring in our local professionals, they're able to find out more information specific to their, their area. So I'm wondering like, what are the different watershed issues that different watershed stewards in different parts of the state are up against? Is there a lot of overlap there? Or what can what can I learn if I'm in the Northeast by interacting with the, with another steward who's in the Southwest, for example? There are a lot of common issues across the state, riparian buffers, uh, stormwater management, rain gardens, those sorts of things. Uh, but we do have differences in our urban areas. So in Philly and Pittsburgh, the partnerships are different. Um, the, the way projects are approached are completely different. In say Northeastern PA, there's more of a focus on um, abandoned mine drainage. That's something that we don't have in Southeastern PA. So there are these unique 
uh, areas, unique educational needs. Uh, and it's been great having such a diversity. So we're now in, in 30 counties. So our urban coordinators are able to share, oh, okay, you're launching this statewide program, but you didn't take this into account in uh, urban yards. So I think we're having that diversity of locations really helps us uh, make sure whatever we do produce statewide for volunteers to use is going to accommodate everybody across the state. And you said 30 counties. What kind of growth have you been seeing since the program launched? Are we ultimately hoping to get to, to every county in Pennsylvania? That's the goal. Uh, we've had pretty quick growth over the years. So we started about eight years ago in just two counties, and now we're in 30. Uh, we went from really the staff being just me to a uh, staff of 16 uh, managing the program. And once we get these launched, typically, you know, we get grant funding to launch it. Um, a lot of the funding has come from the DEP. Uh, then we have to find local sustainable resources to keep it going. And, and that process takes some time. So uh, we're always interested if there's partners out there that want to help us get the program launched in other areas of the state. Um, we're happy to, to work with it. But uh, I'm, I'm OK taking a little bit of a break for at least the next year. <laughs> Been pretty fast. Well, that's a good problem to have, I guess. Yes, yes, definitely a good problem to have. What are some, I guess, notable accomplishments or what kinds of projects do people work on? Are there any really interesting ones that, that you would highlight? Oh, there is so, so much. The way we structure the volunteer opportunities is our coordinators will reach out to partners, find out what their volunteer needs are, push that all out to the volunteers. But we also are interested in what the volunteers want to do. So if they have a project idea, they can funnel it up to the coordinators, we'll connect with the partners and try to make it happen. So uh, I know in Bucks County, some of the stewards there, they started a stream bank uh, erosion monitoring program. And they had so much success with that, the municipalities and our partners were so happy with it. Uh, they've started training the other counties how to do this, this program. So that was really their, their initiative that they're now spreading across the state. Uh, I know we've had groups that have been doing stormwater naturalization projects. Uh, our York program, I think they planted like a 200, or not 200, a 20 acre riparian buffer, uh, which was just amazing in partnership with the school district. Like in Allegheny County, they're partnering with county parks and they're doing this full scale stream assessment throughout the entire park system. So everyone's got unique county needs and, and sometimes the it's neat when the projects can then bleed over into other counties. You said the uh, this master volunteer model uh, is something that extension services all over the country do. Uh, the, the specific watershed application, is that a fairly new one? Is it unique to Pennsylvania or is, or is this elsewhere? It is elsewhere. And actually, Paul Reset at the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, he helped launch the first one in Washington State, I believe. So we certainly pulled him in to, to help guide us in this process. Uh, I'm not sure when that one started, but I know the very first Master Gardener program started in the 1970s, I think also in, in Washington State. Um, I think there's, I don't know, maybe a dozen uh, states with master watershed steward programs. And we have been getting approached by other states because they've seen our model. Okay, how are you doing this? How can we adapt what you're doing and, and make it work in our state? Uh, but there's also, there's master environmental stewards in New Jersey. Uh, so there's other very similar programs. 
how are you how are you seeing in different parts of the state as impacts of climate change become more frequent, more severe? We've just had some some pretty bad flooding in uh, in the southeast and, and not far from you, I think. How is the Master Watershed Program meeting that that big challenge? How does uh, climate resiliency, I guess, figure into the work that stewards are doing out there? Oh yeah, <laughs> well, certainly with uh, the increase in flooding. Uh, that just puts more and more emphasis on stormwater naturalization projects, just capturing the stormwater before it flows onto the street, into the storm drain, into the stream, uh, more riparian buffers. One of our main focus areas is getting more plants in the ground, uh, teaching more people about the importance of getting plants you know, in your yard, even if you're not along a stream bank, uh, just naturalizing your area is going to help uh, retain some of that moisture from getting to the street, which eventually gets to the stream. So uh, definitely a big, big part of what we do um, in terms of implementation and education. Okay, so there are some questions that people should ask themselves before they take the next step and apply for the program. But if the answers to those questions are the right ones, what should the next step be? How do I actually take the next step toward becoming a Master Watershed Steward? So first thing you can do is fill out an application form, which we have on our website. I think it's extension.psu.edu slash watershed-stewards. You can fill out an application form. You can reach out directly to the county coordinator and say, hey, when are you planning to offer a training next? Because uh, some counties, they do every other year. Other counties are doing it every single year. And for whatever reason, if you're in a county that's not doing it this year, but you're super excited and you want to get involved, we do make accommodations where you can train in another county and then transfer over to your local county program. Well, we will include the link in the episode description for this podcast. And I guess with that, Aaron, Frederick, thank you so much for your time and talking about the Master Watershed Stewards. Thanks. This was great. Appreciate it. That's Erin Frederick with Penn State Extension. She is the statewide Master Watershed Steward Coordinator. You can find out more about the program on their website. We will link it in the episode description for this podcast. You can find that along with all of our past episodes at PECPA.org. That is the PEC website. And that is where we post all the information on our various programs and policy advocacy activities across the Commonwealth. We work in watersheds. We work in trails, public lands, and outdoor recreation. We work with energy and climate and the effort to decarbonize Pennsylvania's electricity production. Just a few of the things happening in the Pennsylvania Environmental Council offices right now. You can find out what else is going on by connecting with us on the website. Again, peckpa.org. One of many ways that you can stay in touch with your friends at Peck. Another is by subscribing to our In Case You Missed It newsletter. You can find information on how to get on that list, again, on the website. Follow us on social media. We're on Facebook and on Twitter. We're at P-E-C-P-A. We post occasionally on Instagram as well. We'd love to hear from you in any of those places that you may frequent. And we will be back with another episode of Pennsylvania Legacies in a couple weeks' time. Until then, for the Pennsylvania Environmental Council and Lily Jones, I'm Josh Rollerson, and thanks for listening.